I'm Ted Burnham. And I'm Tom McKinnon. This is KGN News. How on Earth for Tuesday, July 26, 2011. It's the science and technology show that makes you smarter. Coming up, music and science. We'll hear from Grammy Award winner Tom Wassinger about our quest for a new theme song and some of his own musical work. begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. Boulder scientists were involved in two astronomical discoveries announced last week. One discovery was very large and very far away. The other was rather tiny and right here in our own stellar neighborhood. About the large and far away, an international team led by the California Institute of Technology and involving CU Boulder researchers discovered the largest and farthest mass of water in the known universe. But this is no space puddle. The water is in the form of vapor, spread out over an area hundreds of light years in diameter. This massive cloud surrounds a quasar, a super-energetic object at the far end of the universe. Researchers estimate the cloud contains 4,000 times more water vapor than our entire galaxy, enough to fill the Earth's oceans 100 trillion times. Since the quasar is about 12 billion light years away, this image of the quasar is 12 billion years old, nearly as old as the universe itself. Studying the early universe, including the distribution of water, helps astronomers to understand how our own galaxy formed. In an entirely separate discovery, and much closer to home, astronomers using the Hubble telescope have discovered a fourth moon orbiting Pluto. The new satellite doesn't yet have a name, so for now, astronomers are calling it P4. P4 joins Pluto's previously discovered moons Charon, Nix, and Hydra. P4 is a very, very small moon, somewhere between 8 and 21 miles in diameter, so it's amazing that Hubble was able to detect it at all. Luckily, astronomers will soon get an up-close look at the tiny new moon when NASA's New Horizons mission arrives at the Pluto system in 2015. The discovery was made during observations led by the SETI Institute in California in support of New Horizons. The mission is led by astronomers at the Southwest Research Institute in Boulder and includes scientists from CU. We're all concerned about global warming today, but events 200 million years ago may make us even more worried. At that time, much of everything alive on Earth was wiped out in a mass extinction. Previously, it had been thought that 600,000 years of volcanic activity choked the Earth's atmosphere with carbon dioxide. But a new paper published in the July 21 issue of Science Magazine proposes another theory. Paleoecologist Micah Rule of Utrecht University and co-workers proposed that just a few thousand years of volcanic activity increased the ocean temperatures enough to release massive quantities of methane trapped in ocean muck. Scientists have been worried about the current release of methane from seafloors. What this study shows is that it's already happened in the past, said, said uh, Micah Rule. These findings are, um, excuse me, uh, it could happen again. It's only the boundary conditions that we don't know said Rule. In what scientists call the end Triassic mass extinction, at least half of all living species simply disappeared from the fossil record. The die-off didn't really merely cause ecological disruption. It was so sudden and profound that planetary chemical cycles went haywire for the next several million years. 
The leading explanation for the extinction involves um, volcanic activity, but earlier research uh, by Rule suggested a more nuanced and jarring narrative. Scientists have raised the possibility that raising global temperatures could release trapped methane into the atmosphere, further releasing temperatures and more methane in a feedback loop of warming planetary of warming and planetary disruption. That's apparently what happened during the end Triassic extinction. And on this day, 48 years ago, SINCOM-2, the world's first geosynchronous satellite, was launched from Cape Canaveral. This satellite carried the first live two-way telephone call between heads of state when President Kennedy in Washington linked up with Nigerian Prime Minister Balewa in Lagos. You're tuned to How on Earth, the KGNU Science and Technology Show. I'm Ted Burnham. The current music theme for How on Earth was created well over a decade ago in the 1990s. It has served us well for many years, but we've decided it's time for an update. We're looking for local musicians who would like their music to set the tone for How on Earth into the future, and today is the very last day to submit an entry. We've gotten some great submissions from local artists, and we welcome hearing yours as well. As for how we might go about evaluating the music that's been submitted, well, for that, we decided to get some advice from an advisor to our music contest. He's Tom Wassinger, who produced our original How on Earth Science Show theme, and who also is a world-renowned musician. Tom spoke with How on Earth's Shelley Schlender about the music contest. Here's that report. Check, 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 one, two, that looks just fine. We'd better say who you are. Okay. Uh, my name is Tom Wassinger. Well, a little more than that. Uh, I am a music producer, and I have been in Boulder working in the music business as an artist and recording engineer and producer since 1979. Now, you're also a Grammy award-winning artist. Yes, I've won a few Grammys. You're also the producer of the How on Earth Science Show theme song. I did produce that many, many years ago. I don't even know how many years ago with Tim Morton who is now the head of the English department at University of California at Davis. It's amazing what kind of skills people bring to music. Well, it's true, but Tim was also a musician, and both his parents had been violinists in the London Symphony. It's just that he chose a career path of uh, English literature and the like. Well, we're going to go into our music contest for a new theme song for the science show in just a bit. But first, what is it about music that makes it so important to science shows and setting a mood for people to listen to what they hear? You have to start by saying what's important about music in the first place. You know, there was the old quote by I don't remember who, which was without music, life would be a mistake. It's a way of nonverbal communication that reaches different parts of our brains than verbal communication does. And since a science show is a show that's based on the discipline of empirical experimentation in order to prove a point, then it's great to have music open up such a program because it, it helps to sort of bring in all the parts of the brain and the soul and, and not just the linear parts of us that happen to uh, be more comfortable with that kind of empirical approach to life as somewhat of our religion. Is there a science side of music for you? Well, there's certainly a science side of recording music. And then there's certain elements of mathematics that have to do with 
the musical system that is the most prevalent in this part of the world. But if you get too locked into being linear when you're producing music, you don't usually come up with anything very interesting. That's why I try to avoid getting too ensnared by the people that create software for recording and all these things and having lots of machines that I have to learn how to use. I really enjoyed the old days when we had big energy hog 24-track recording machines with 2-inch tape because even though that was high technology for its time, compared to what goes on today, there was just kind of a lot more dancing around the control room in those days. And now everyone is stuck in front of a screen. What is this instrument that you have here? This is a guitar, but it's a little tiny guitar that I originally had made by a fellow named Bob Westbrook, who was a guitar repairman and guitar builder who lived in Boulder during the um, 80s and maybe early 90s as well. Those days, they didn't make little guitars to travel with like they do now. And so I took some pieces from various guitars that were laying around. Well, it's beautiful. It's the same color as an Irish setter. It is kind of that color, isn't it? Look at that. Well, that's pretty pretty. I got a squeaky chair over here, too. You know, I think the squeaks actually added in. Well, good. Okay. I, I'm, I'm willing to uh, go with that. Well, speaking of what we work with, for our science show theme contest, we're working with a one-minute theme that needs to do a lot of things. And I, I thought that for us to start talking about some of the contenders for this, it might be good to hear some other themes and see why they work. So we'll start with something that's unconventional. Uh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. You're listening to That's the Radio Lab intro, what we just heard there. It's one of these things that I've heard many times in radio, especially where they bring in the voices of many people in order to create some sort of linear collage of people speaking and introducing something. It, uh, it definitely catches your ear in terms of trying to put that together and make logical sense of it in order to get a sense of what it is you're about to hear. Let's try some others. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the My impression of this is is uh, that they're working hard on selling science to a young audience and trying to make science sound cool. Do you get a sense that this is for a science show that's kind of funny? Yeah, there's definitely some sense of humor there. Isn't it amazing that you can find all that out by listening for just a few seconds to a song? That's true. That's you know the fact that a short little piece of clip of music like that can contain that much information. Here's one that I'll bet that you'll recognize. I already know this one from having heard the first two seconds of it. Is this morning edition? Is that what this is? This is morning edition. Yeah, yeah all things considered is... Something like that. Are these good themes? Oh, Sure. But in the context of radio, of course, if you have somebody listening and you have a captive audience, and, and if they are a repeated listener and they hear the same thing over and over, then they uh, just the fact that I recognize that, that theme immediately by its first chord means that I no doubt have heard that program innumerable times. You realize what this means about how we're programmed? That, that a theme can end up getting that deep inside of us. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
The other thing I noticed about this theme is the bit of um, grandeur. This theme certainly does. It's definitely sort of a sweeping kind of feeling. And then they, when they bring in the sort of jazz guitar theme over the top of that, that gives it a little bit more of an urban edge from what, where it starts. It's a little bit establishment. Oh, it is that. Yeah, but still pleasing. It's nice. But is it the science show? Is it the KGNU science show? Oh, definitely not. No, definitely the wrong feeling. See how you can say that about a theme, that there's something about themes where you can listen to them and go, that fits what the style of that program is, this doesn't. Music is a very instinctual thing. If you hear something, you know right away. If you have an ear at all, you know right away, ah, that's wrong. You know, that doesn't work in this particular context. But maybe that's just because, you know, I'm uh, 55 years old and opinionated, I don't know. Here's a science show theme song from a popular show that's on another radio station. And see what the mood is that it sets for you. From Public Radio International, it's Living on Earth. I'm Bruce Gellerman. Rice is nice, but add a little fungus and you've got plants that could help feed a hungry world. You know, that theme is not one that I, that I would necessarily walk down the street singing. It doesn't necessarily grab me in the same way as many of the other themes we've heard. And, you know, even the announcer even has a little bit of that commercial sound in his voice. I don't get too far with unaffected vocal. That had its roots in pop radio in the 1960s, and it's just as contrived today as it did then. Only he's not quite as deep into it as, 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 it, as you hear in lots of other situations. See, you do have opinions about music. Oh, I do. Do you want us to play the science show theme that you helped produce first, or would you like to just go straight to the entries? Oh, let's hear the one that I did with Tim Morton. Your eyes got white. Like, did I do that? Well, no, I just, I just realized what that was. That was uh, a flock of rosellas in a park in northern Australia that I recorded. And so when I first heard it, I thought, what is that? Where did I get it? And then I suddenly had a flash of where I was standing when I recorded that sound. And that was in about 1990. Maybe go back to the top one more time. You're still looking surprised. How did you make those sounds? I hear a hand drum, which I think is an entanga drum. Entanga is a East African drum made out of cowhide with the skin still on it. That thing that comes in is clearly a sample that's being played. In other words, it's a sampled sound that was put over. Oh, I get it now. Okay. I was waiting for the theme to come. I would have been shocked if I would have let anything go out the door without something, a thematic element. And so that's Tim Morton, who was a violinist, and he's playing that violin line over the top now, which is our theme. What do you think of your song? I can see why it's time for a new theme. You know, it was kind of current for who we were, all, who we were at that time. This must have been mid-90s, maybe. Music is always a reflection of culture, and, and culture, even just in that 15-year period of time, has dramatically changed. The Internet barely existed when we did that theme. Very, very few people were using it, especially, I think, for a science show. It's, it certainly would be time to update things so that the show sounds current and sounds alive and sounds like it's happening with people who are living now. Here's a submission from John Stubbs. John Stubbs I've met. It's definitely very lighthearted, 
and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of bubbly and happy, and uh, I, I'm a sucker for a theme myself, something a little bit more thematic that one might sink their teeth into. Meaning a melody or a tune that you would hold on to. Yeah, something that you, that might stick in your head long after the show is over. But see, that's that's my own personal bias. Maybe it's because I, I I decided to be a musician when I saw the Beatles on TV. I'm transported more by a really well-designed theme musically than by anything else in music, I think. So you mean something that you could hum walking down it's the street? A melodic, a melodic phrase, right. There's nothing that can transport me out of this world more effectively than a fabulous melodic phrase. What do you think about having a flourish at the beginning? Right, and, and the one that we wrote for the KGNU Science Show is a developed piece. In other words, it starts very sparse, and various voices come in, i.e. various by voices I mean percussive elements, and then eventually we get to the theme. Eventually you get to the theme, but it starts out with something recognizable that's a stamp, and that's the birds. Oh, that's true. We do have a flourish at the beginning, don't we? Yes, the birds are taking flight. Right, the birds are taking flight. Just as imagination takes flight in science. It's true, you're exactly right. All right, so if, if, for instance, this song was picked as one of the finalists, would someone like you as an advisor to our, our group be willing to give a little bit of suggestion and tweaking to, say, if we pick two top finalists, to say, how about if you did a few things like this? You could certainly do that, and how how that will be received is another story. I mean, there are some composers who are who say, uh, "I don't want to change my piece; it's perfect like it is." But you can always, you know, throw that out, suggest that. In the world of music that you're commissioned to do, when you're commissioned to write a theme for whatever, for television or any of those kinds of things, as a composer, you are at the mercy of your employer, and you just have to work until they're happy. And so your desires of what you would, might think would be the coolest theme in the universe has to come second to the person who's writing you the check. We're at the mercy of these fine musicians who are, through their goodwill, helping us out here at the community-based science show. Right. So in this case, you have to say, we really like this, but do you suppose you might be willing or interested in uh, giving us a little something right off the top to sort of get everybody's attention? You might want to approach it that way. You know, I certainly want to approach it with respect for the artist and respect for the composer and say, we like this, but would you be willing to do a tweak or two? Especially if it's just an excerpt from a piece they've already written, then they should be open to that, I would think. Thank you for that wise and tactful advice. Okay, you're welcome. This next one is from Josh Cutler, who you know. Yes, yes Josh Cutler is, is a friend of mine. This one, you know, immediately hits me in a deeper place, you know, and mainly because not only is it uh, have more of a melodic structure than the first piece we heard, but um, but the melodic structure is very pleasing and riveting for me. It's different from something like Living on Earth, which is kind of, oh, isn't it's all going to turn out okay? Right. This there's definitely that theme kind of asks asks a question and, and is not. Uh, is not banging you over the head with any certainty whatsoever. You know that that the feeling of that theme is one that's um, that that for me is is you know leaves you ex- exploring your own heart and soul 
you know, for what might be there since, uh, you know, we have no answers to many of the mysteries of life. And that's what that theme is. It gives me the feeling of, which I love because I, you know, I love feeling uh, helpless in the face of the mysteries of life. theme doesn't guarantee that there is a god no it doesn't no no it's just ask the question and i think it'd be no problem to say to josh hey josh give us a little at the beginning before you jump into that theme you know to get somebody's attention because as it is now it's fairly tame right at the beginning and it just you know it's it sort of just drops right into the little thematic idea he's got and um i don't you know i'm sure he's got uh, plenty of little tricks up his sleeve he can give you some sort of little bang at the beginning Okay, so this is a theme song contest. What's your final advice? The bottom line with any piece of music is, does it take you to that place where suddenly you feel like you have tentacles reaching out of this world? At least that's what it is for me. So follow that instinct. And if that's the kind of piece you would love to hear when you turn on the KGNU Science Show, and if it's the feeling that you would like to identify with that show, then that's what you follow. You know, don't get too over analytical about it. You know, I mean, a kid who's 14 years old hears a song and he either likes it or he doesn't. That same instinct, I think, uh, still works. Thank you very much, Tom Wassinger, Grammy Award-winning artist, big fan of KGNU. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Shelley. Thanks to Shelley Schlender for that report. Tom Wassinger is a Grammy Award-winning music artist who's helping with our new science show theme contest. For all you musicians out there, today is the last day to submit an entry in the contest. To submit something or to listen to the themes and leave a comment, go to our website, howonearthradio.org, and click on the theme contest page. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Today's show was produced and engineered by Tom McKinnon. The executive producer is Susan Moran. Tim Morton wrote our theme music. Tom Wassinger produced it. And we had additional music today from The Buck 50. Can't listen to How on Earth at our regular time? No worries. Just go to howonearthradio.org and click on the iTunes button to subscribe to our podcast. Send your feedback to the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science and Technology Show, I'm Ted Burnham. And I'm Tom McKinnon. <laughs>